Episode 2, Taking Care of Bodies with Miyoko. What is it about food that helps us access feelings and memories? Can wisdom, culture, and generational memory be passed on through recipe? In this episode of Mouth Level, I'm compiling moments from Su Young Lee's talk, Mindful Practice Kitchen S Studio. This talk took place on September 22nd at an Airbnb dining room in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island. This talk was put together for Flotilla, a national conference of artist-run centers. Suyang served miyokuk, or seaweed soup, a traditional Korean soup typically cooked for new mothers, for someone who is ill, or on people's birthdays as a celebratory meal. This episode is compiled as a series of notes, sound bites, and pivotal moments in the artist's storytelling. Please be aware that this episode contains mention of illness and trauma. Suyang Lee is an interdisciplinary artist based in Toronto. She investigates the human form through performance documentation. Her work deals with themes of aging, anxiety, and trauma, and she often uses food as a metaphor for the decaying body. Suyang talked to us about her lost sense of home, witnessing her father's deteriorated health, and the multiple times she turned to cooking and food as a way to cope with difficult moments. She also served as tangerines wrapped in tissue paper as dessert. I was born in Seoul, South Korea. My family moved around and I never had the feeling of having a hometown living there. My family moved to Poland and then we came to Canada. I have lived in Toronto for about 10 years now and I when I consider Toronto my home. My mom and my dad, they are a great inspiration in my work. And I didn't know about this until I actually started working around food. To our family, the home was never, you know, the same place. Um, maybe if you're lucky, once a year we would meet in one place and that's where we would have a meal, like, you know, the miyokuk, the seaweed soup that we're about to have um, for the birthdays that we have missed. And uh, that's how I spent most of my life in Canada. Growing up, I didn't really have a lot of time with my dad. My dad has been a salaryman for a very long time. And I always thought that he wore like a, a suit of armor. And because I never grew up spending so much time with him, I never really got to learn about his life. So I spend more time with my mom in the kitchen. Two years ago, uh, my dad had an incident where he couldn't move from his waist down. He could just not stop moaning constantly. And um, that was a really tough time because this all happened just the day before he was supposed to fly out to Korea to take care of some business. It was pretty depressing. He wasn't able to feed himself. He couldn't go to the washroom. He was also very stubborn. Hey, I can do this myself. Let me do this, you know. I can put this shirt on. No, you can't. And then he would just, let me do this. this there's a constant conflict between him and us. Um, so, Myself and my two siblings, we took turns and became his caregivers. And my dad was all of a sudden the child in his wrinkly body. 
we scheduled ourselves during the time to be with him and be his feet and hands, going through like over 10 different medicines and helping him with diapers. It was very, very difficult. I think he had a harder time showing his vulnerability to us. Seeing the physical change and emotional change in someone's life like that firsthand, it was a big shock to myself and my family. So to cope with this, I turned to kitchen. Traditionally in Korea, there never was a birthday cake. It was the soup and rice that we celebrated with. And I asked my mom if she had her share of birthday soup after she gave birth. And she did, even in hospital. It's um, consumed just right after you give birth. Apparently, many, many, many years ago, our ancestors made an observation that whales, after they give birth to baby whales, they would eat seaweed to recover from a lot of bleeding. And that's how they kind of, OK, let's make soup for the mothers who just went through a traumatic experience. <laughs> I studied the recipe for the first time um, while caring for my dad, not able to move like before. You know, he would just um, stay in bed helplessly and I would share my time in the kitchen and his bedroom. Because he had lost his mother at an early age, I thought that, you know, something that would bring him close to her would be, you know, a soup that would remind him of his mother. So. In a way, a daughter now being the mother, making the soup for the child. I was, I wanted to do that for my dad. This is something that I do uh, for people that I love and really care for. So let's uh, have this bowl of soup and rice. There are some mushrooms. My mom insisted that I have to use the dried mushrooms. And um, I used the anchovies and the seaweed, the miyuk, which is the main ingredient of the soup, lots of garlic. Through food, I, I find my own home. Um, I've had this in Poland and I've had this in Canada where I call it home now. And it's, uh, it holds such a special meaning to me. And I've never been a mom myself, but it's, um, as I age, I am starting to understand what it's like to be a parent. Yeah, maybe because I have witnessed my, my dad uh, being in the place where he was, it makes me be more mindful about food, not as ingredients, but also um, as something that's so perishable and how our bodies are in a way like that too. I always relate my body to food because our body works kind of the same way. When you spend too much time in the bathtub, <laughs> taking a bath, you know how your skin yeah. gets a little wrinkly. Um, and I can see that the mushroom when it's dry, it's all wrinkly, but when you soak it in the water too, it kind of poof and comes back to life. 
When my skin gets dry, it cracks. I see food as a, a preserving a container. It's got the skin, it's got the inside, but it doesn't last forever, right? And the same with our body. Food, you know, mimicking how our body works, that always fascinated me. During the hard time watching my dad um, bedridden, and after having made this soup, I became very depressed and powerless. My, I felt like everything was falling apart. So I made salt <coughs> dough, and I decided to make fossils of my father's working body. He had a closet full of his, what I call, suit of armor, the gray jackets that he used mm. to wear to work. And because I spent so much time in his bedroom, I had access to everything, that they were just there, sitting there. And um, I made an impression of them into um, bricks. And because there's a lot of salt, I made it so that it doesn't go bad right away. I did that over two weeks, and for one brick of bread of my father's objects from the past, um, I would, and this is not an exaggeration, I would sit in front of the oven for like eight hours straight, and I did that one brick at a time, and that's when I felt like I was getting empowered. I was going through this in the kitchen with food, working away my frustration, my mixed emotions, kneading the dough and studying the object. And I brought with me one of the bricks or the fossil. And this uh, has been um, preserved over a year now. So Young passed around a brick of bread and on it is an embossed and fossilized pair of sunglasses. This object is part of a series called Body of Work in which Su Young imprinted different objects from her father's wardrobe onto loaves of bread in order to preserve his work attire. We each got to hold the brick and observe it. It was incredible to see how long it had been preserved for. The sunglasses made a very... And, um, and you can see the back started to crack. <clears throat> I had a pair of sunglasses, his old socks and jacket, and little comb, um, matchsticks, because he used to be a smoker. And going through all those objects, I felt like, I don't know this man, you know? <laughs> I never really knew my dad. I wanted to bring his sock because he actually told me that he wanted to be here. So um, this is actually part of my work called Body of Work. And I can assemble the body any way I want. It will eventually begun, obviously. <laughs> I don't know how long it's going to take, and this is mm. part of my research. When I was packing my bag with all these things, I, I felt for the first time how it must have been like for my mom when she packed all the things. I felt like I was bringing part of me, you know, to a place that I've never been to. And again, this is a temporary home, but I've already made myself at home. 
I brought something else. <laughs> In Korean culture, fruit is actually eaten at the end of the meal. As the last aspect of the talk, Soyoung asked us to reflect and meditate on our anxieties and fears through the practice of mindfulness while eating tangerines for dessert. First, we had to unwrap the tangerines, which were covered in tissue paper. The paper had a set of instructions printed on it. Then we had to twist the tangerine clockwise a few times against the palm of our hands. And finally, we had to consume it slowly, all while thinking of our greatest fears. Number one, think of one thing that you're afraid of in your life. It can be a fear or something that makes you anxious. Number two, while thinking about it, place your palm over the tangerine and roll it five times clockwise slowly. Number three, peel the tangerine in any fashion as you wish, but do not rush. Put all of the peel inside the plastic bag. Number four, Eat the peeled tangerine and be as mindful as you can. Be aware of every moment and sensation in your mouth as you think about overcoming that particular fear or anxiety. Number five, when you're finished eating, write your fear or anxiety on the label of the plastic bag. Number six, leave the plastic bag inside the box with the label facing down. After eating the tangerines, we were asked to put all the peels in the Ziploc bag and to write the name of our fear on it with a pen or sharpie. So Young will be observing how the peels over time will begin to rot, mold, and create unappetizing juices. She's interested in how, much like our fears, these will slowly disappear and change shape over time. I must disclose that I had a bit of a breakdown during this talk. So Young and I share a lot in common, and one of those things is that we both immigrated to Canada 10 years ago. The experience of mindfully eating a tangerine unexpectedly brought me back to a vivid memory and a space that I hadn't thought of in years. It also brought other people to tears. Here are just a few audience reactions. I felt very emotional. Yeah. I almost started like crying. It felt like a, a very welcome gift. My mom loves tangerines, so I was like, I'm gonna text my mom later. <laughs> I have, uh, in the last few years, been diagnosed with like, a dietary issue. It's been a long time since I've like tasted a tangerine, so I ate like two pieces of it. It was very like sensual feeling, mm. and it was like super overwhelming. A few days ago was my tenth anniversary since coming to Canada. There's a lot of places I don't remember and memories that I've, I think, blocked um, out because of the trauma of moving. One of the places I do remember is my grandmother's house. She always had tangerines. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy how like food and sense and like sensory meditative experiences like that can just trigger something in you. I don't really talk about myself or my family in general, but with food, I think it just lets me open to others, you know? You have been listening to Mouth Level, I Level's Food for Thoughts podcast. I'm your host and editor, Camila Salcedo, 
I would like to give a special thanks to David Clark and Julia McMillan for helping me make this happen. All music used for this episode is from freesound.org.